Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of Mind the Back Chat. Yeah, Today, we are with my host and colleague, yeah. George. And we have a little special guest. Present yourself, Mr. Jacob. Um, Mr. Jacob. Mr. Jacob, I just like Madonna. <laughs> yeah. Basically, oh, just like nice. one name, that's it. Um, Jacob, um, friends and colleagues with Gabs, and just for the first time seeing George, that's which is very, very nice. That's right, just shook hands because we're good colleagues. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, um, Jacob is someone that works with me in until. Um, he doesn't do osteopathy, he's um, a little bit different to the other practitioners that we have had on the other episodes in the past. Um, so, first and foremost, Jacob, you are a uh, Chinese medicine practitioner. Yes, indeed. You've also got practices within hyperbaric oxygen therapy and have studied that in Israel. So, uh, give us some yeah, more that's information. Yeah, that's a bit of a detail. So, nail it on the Chinese medicine. Okay. So that's what I did study in Tel Aviv for four mm -hmm. and a half years. So, I did my Chinese medicine, then I moved to the UK, then I completely did couple of things that are completely different from Chinese medicine. Okay. Um, and then when I started the whole journey with Antio and you and Charlie and Better, well, this is what I work today, um, then we dived into um, the hyperbaric medicine stuff. So hyperbaric medicine as itself. Um, I did a course in South, so Plymouth, that's the DDRC. It's a diving center and they have a couple of chambers there. And then I went to Israel and they have a huge facility um, in which I'm probably going to do kind of an internship or work with, um, but that's kind of the, the tip of the ice. Okay, so let's perhaps begin with the main priority, which is what you've got a degree in. What pushed you to do Chinese medicine? Mm. That's an interesting, a very interesting, it's a bit of a long one, so I'll sh make it short. So I, um, as we just discussed, I served in the military for many years as a reserve, and the doctor that runs the battalion, the uh, medical unit, uh, he's a good friend of mine, a uh, very, very interesting guy. And um, when I was 24, 25, I had a bit of a, I was in crossroads. I didn't know what to study. I was, I wanted to study medicine. Um, and the whole journey of six years, seven years of studies was so daunting. I was like, I'm it's not a long time. It, it? Massive. And when you finish studying, that's just the beginning of the journey. It was like, okay, I finished studying, now I need to do internship and this and that. By the age of 50, then maybe you can see the fruits of your labor. Yeah. And in my head, that felt so long. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I went to speak to that doctor and we were good friends and we had a very honest conversation. I said, I don't know what I'm going to do. It's like, I don't want to study medicine, but I want to do something within medicine. And he said to me, why won't you come to my school? And I said, that's an interesting thing. What school do you have? And apparently he's got a school very, very well established within like the last 30, 40 years okay. in Tel Aviv for Chinese medicine. Small one, but very, very good. So when we, we finished the conversation, I went and visited that place, fell in love with the place. Very, very nice. Um, it's, it's basically a college in terms of size. Um, I love the curriculum. I love the teachers. I like everything they've done there. Signed that day and studied four and a half years of Chinese medicine. Wow. Yeah, so... That's intense. Yeah, it is, it is. And it's obviously worked out fantastically. Yeah, yeah. In the end... smile on your face Here well. you go. Well, Sparkling. <laughs> I, I've had a treatment from Jacob uh, where he needled the hell out of me. Yeah. And I mean, I, I'm always a skeptic, especially if it's something that I've never experienced before. Um, I've had 
hyperbaric oxygen and we, we've spoken in the past about hyperbaric oxygen and my experience um because it was just a single treatment i didn't feel as though i've benefited from it at all but oh my god a couple of needles and i remember saying oh i'm gonna go train after this i'll get a coffee and then i'll be fine there was no way just drain this completely drained yeah. completely drained and it was just trying to drop my sympathetic tone and um you know going from that fight or flight to just completely rest and digest and it was nice. just yeah. oh my god amazing amazing okay. so i can vouch yeah for it Ch chinese medicine got so many different like aspects and modalities and ideas and uh you've got five elements and you've got all sorts of ways of treating someone but in the end of the day it all narrows down to the points you're using the combination and what are you actually going to target chinese medicine is a very holistic approach we never treat the symptoms we treat the cause or the root issue um i like through the years i've shifted mostly from well when i finished studies i was more interested in internal diseases in immune system and liver function but that's a very long run with patients it's like basically you start the the strategy with at least six months ahead yeah so you know you're going to see them for a long time there's going to be results but it's a slow pace uh, with pain management or pain issues, uh, you see results immediately. Really? Reduction of pain is... What, what kind of pain issues, if you don't mind me asking? So to start with, uh, physical pain. So anything okay. from injuries to post, I don't know, surgery, those kind of issues. Yeah. But when you broaden the conversation with patients, then emotional pain is something that you see more and more nowadays. Usually. It links to stress, it links to their um, experience of life, anxiety, depression, all of those things are amplifiers of pain. Massively, yeah. Yeah, and so we know that. to chronic pain, obviously. Exactly, and chronic pain a lot of the time, well, we know this for, 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 for a long time, pain is not related to damage, and pain is not related to any changes in the tissue necessarily. It's within our nervous system. Yeah. Um, so through the years, I, I shifted more and more into that kind of a realm of emotional pain, stress issues, um, and vagal nerve stimulation, which is what I've done to GAPS back then. Um, basically, you want to lower that flight and fight kind of response and yeah. rest and digest kicks in. And that's the vagal nerve. Uh, most of my protocols, and we've done half of a protocol with you, is between 40 to 70 needles. So we, wow, okay, it's yeah. A, yeah, it's a barrage to start with. We use a barrage of artillery and I like metaphors from the army um, to kind of bombard to start with um, the nervous system. Yeah, we quiet it down to start with. And then as we get along and we get to know the patient, then we kind of go from artillery to sniper. So it's more specific. Can it be a bit of like a shock to the body again? So if somebody's yeah in that sympathetic fight or flight and you're trying to calm it down and then going yeah, 40, 70 needles, as you say, and let's say that pain or whatever they're presenting with has been there for such a long period of time. Obviously, we know like if undoing a certain puzzle, like you have chronic problems underlying it as well, and you've kind of got to unlock that to get to the root cause. Do you find like putting all those needles in can sometimes cause that kind of, you see the body going to shock, hence why afterwards you had that kind of rise and then you had the massive. Yeah, so the more acute the phase is the more the crush is strong and i always give heads up to all the patients you might be feeling sleepy drowsy off 
um, some patients fall asleep completely on the bed. They will really? be like, we'll have a conversation. I always have a conversation with the patients during the needling. Good. And the, the last needle I'm putting, I'm saying to them the same speech. I'm saying, you don't have to speak with me anymore. You can drift off. If you're falling asleep, don't fight this. Most people snore on the bed. Like they are completely, <laughs> that's the thing. I'm, I'm shutting them off. Yeah. Um, and I'm, then I'm taking the needles out and maybe we'll do some soft tissue work or breathing work. By the time they're up from the bed, they are completely there. Like they, I don't know what happened to me. I'm very, very tired. Mm. Usually I tell them, go home. Don't go to work. Don't do any, any heavy machinery for you is no go. I went to the gym. <laughs> <laughs> You're such a beast, man. You lift that weight off the bench press and just drops in your chest. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. He fell asleep on the bench. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, um, most of the time it's a big impact on the person uh, in a good way. The body knows how to kind of regulate this. It's not that that means that they're not going to wake up the next day. Yeah. Uh, but they will have a very, very deep sleep that, that evening probably. And then the more we'll do it, the more they will obviously. Um, and I guess that comes into that holistic approach, which comes in close with osteopathy as well, looking at the body as a whole. And hence why when we treat the body as a whole, we're looking at so many different areas, working on a lot of different areas. And if yeah. areas haven't been moving or necessarily getting a certain amount of circulation that it usually gets because it's become chronic and become tight, if you work and release those areas, a lot of patients as well go home and are like, oh, I slept so well that night or I found myself completely drained. And it's just yeah. because you're, I guess, it's like turning off a stand, like a TV on and off, like you turn it off, you turn off all that noise. Yeah. And it's just allowing that body to yeah. you know, chill out. It's, it's interesting that you chose that TV analogy because I, when I kind of give that spiel, that speech to the patient and they're like, how do they work? How do they need it? What do they do? And... I have a very kind of simple analogy. I'm saying, do you know those consoles that DJs have with all the knobs that they yeah, can play with? Yeah. So volume and bass, all the, at the moment, because you're in pain, you're stressed, all the, all the knobs are up. So like, the volume is so high and your body's always on alert. What we're doing with the needling, the first session at least, is taking all of them down without distinction. So we're not choosing which one we're doing because I don't know you yet. So for me, I want to calm you down. And then the next session, maybe I'll play a bit more. And after four or five, six sessions, depending on how well we know each other, I'll be very, very distinct of what I'm taking down and what I'm taking up. It, it's quite interesting because even when I was taught in university about pain science, we always use the DJ kind of analogy. Um, and one of the biggest kind of two reasons that we used those analogies was for um, hyperalgesia and allodynia. Yeah. Whereby, you know, when we're looking at hyperalgesia, we're thinking about the DJ and all the volume is up to the maximum. Yeah. However, then we're looking at sort of allodynia where you're meant to have a large amount of treble and a large amount of bass, but all you're getting is background noise. Yeah. So allodynia is when something is not meant to be painful, but is extremely painful. Yeah. So it, it's almost as if the DJ is completely out of whack, whereas in hyperalgesia, the DJ is working absolutely fine, but he just is deaf. Yeah, yeah. So that that is such a that is such a good. Yeah, that was, yeah. He, he went he went all the way in. in. I love like... this. But this, but I think it's it's an analogy that makes the person not only think, but he sees a picture. Yeah. So he knows how the, that console looks like. He knows how a DJ kind of work. So in his head, it makes sense why that pain feels the way it feels. Yeah. So that correlates with that needling. Uh, it sits down very nicely with um, vagal nerve stimulation. Uh, nowadays, you can do it for free at your own home well, to send you go free. Yeah. So we know that we have three big shocks that we can cause our system to calm down, cold exposure, high intensity workouts, yeah. and fasting. Those are the big three. 
Mm. Um, and we know those shocks are good for us. So yes. brown fat, neurological effect, all of those things, calming you down, impacting your anxious feelings, all of those things. I would argue, and that's a good link for the next subject, is the fourth one, which is not by yourself, is you need a clinician for that, and that's hyperbaric medicine. I was about to say, so how did you, where did that come from for you? Where did you yeah. suddenly go like, yeah, this is the next stage of my kind of practice? So that, that's an issue, that's also kind of an in-between. So Chinese medicine led me to pain, pain led me to all sorts of ideas on how can I trick this. Breathing work is one of those things you can actually trick also the vagal nerve, and then that sits down with high intensity workout, the way you breathe, you calm down your nervous system. Um, so breathing work is something that I do with most of my patients. Um, I usually, you can do like Wim Hof or something called Buteco, which is the opposite of Wim Hof. So Wim Hof is all about fast breathing <laughs> and yes. Buteco is very slow, the opposite. So they will take a deep breath in, they will reduce their breath to four, five breaths per minute. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so they're quite the opposite, but they do almost the same. That's the thing. They all work on the nervous system in different ways. Mm. Um, so while I was working on those kind of aspects and, and hypercapnia, which is more CO2 in the system, uh, is what you want to achieve. You want to have the buffering of high CO2 levels because that's what drives our brain. Um, which is funny enough, the person that found this concept that our brain is wired by CO2, not the lack of oxygen. So if you take a deep breath in and you hold your breath, you need to take another breath in or you when you are out of breath it's not because they accumulate or the lack of oxygen is the accumulation of co2 levels ah. and the guy that found that concept is also the main guy that wrote the tables the protocols for hyperbaric medicine by the way oh okay sir john heldon he was the first one that wrote down protocols it calls it calls tables mm -hmm. that the navy in the 19th century used when they went to diving so they, they had a dive, if they had any accident, they would surface, go into, inside a chamber, and he created those tables. So he, he was also the one that received, kind of understood the concept of CO2. And what wow. was the kind of conclusion or the outcome within that research? What, what are we sort of looking for? So once I kind of read more about this kind of situation, I was like, this is intriguing. So we know we, the brain doesn't drive through oxygen but oxygen is the main thing that the brain takes. So the brain is two to 3% of our body weight, right? It's, it's tiny, it's a tiny organ, yet it consumes 25% of our glucose, 20% of the oxygen, and 15% of the cardiac output that we have. So the brain is basically the most important machine in, the, in, in our body. Um, so that kind of- In a, most, in most, in mine, maybe not so much. Well, <laughs> we'll discuss about that. <laughs> I need a hyperbaric chamber now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll put you in. Don't worry. Um, so that's, that's, a, that's a big concept to understand. And once I kind of wrap my head around this, I came across with another paper. And I've said that before, and I'll say it over and over again. One of the papers was were on PTSD. Uh, so they tested soldiers that had PTSD and were resistant to any other treatment. So they had psychologists and, treat, and, and drugs to treat them, and they didn't see any results. They took those, the, those soldiers that suffered from PTSD, they've put them inside the chamber through a certain treatment matrix, and they had significant results, like very good results. Um, back in 2014, uh, myself, my brother, and a good friend of mine, we all served in the military, we had a very big operation in Israel, and we all came back. Uh, some didn't came back, some uh, came back with a bit of PTSD, so my brother, one of them. Mm -hmm. And that article just br brought that very close to heart. 
And I was like, this is interesting. I sent it to my brother. He's okay now. He's completely fine. Right, um, cool. Yeah, yeah, he's good. Um, he's a very smart, he's a very smart kid. He's doing his PhD in philosophy. So, oh, so, wow, so nice. he's, he's got something in the brain. Really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just maybe a tiny bit. Um, but yeah, then it just opened an appetite. I was like, this is interesting. What's the connection between PTSD, which has a manifestations that are emotional, yeah. so fear, um, attention deficit, um, sleeping disorders, all of those things are not tangible. All like, going back to that DJ. Exactly. Yeah, there. exactly. But then they found out they did spec scan. So you can do um, an MRI scan, right? Mm -hmm. You can see the brain itself. But if you want to do a functional one, which means metabolically how, you, how the brain works, you took those two kind of imaging and the, you layer them together. And then you can see where are the areas in the brain that don't work well. And you can kind of understand that if there's an area that doesn't work well, this is basically a wound, right? So if we have a tissue that doesn't work well, the brain has for, for a long time, centuries, we treat the brain as something very mystical, right? It's high functions. It's your memory. It's your thoughts. It's your feelings. It's your personality, isn't yeah. it? Mm -hmm. So the brain is very unique. And scientists and both doctors were like, this is interesting, but the brain is the brain. But if you narrow it down, the brain is a tissue, just like any other tissue, just like your muscles, just like your eyes, your hands, everything. If, if an area in the, in the brain doesn't get oxygen, oxygen deprived, it's going to die. So mm -hmm. that tissue is narcotic, right? Narcotic. Yeah. Um, if you put oxygen back in that area, if it's not dead already, then you might get that function back and running. So they found that PTSD manifestations are emotional, right? But there's a wound somewhere in the brain. Usually it correlates with what they manifest. So if they have speech issues in the speech area, if they have memory loss or memory or attention issues within that brain area. If there is a wound, then that means we can treat that. And okay. the slogan with hyperbaric medicine, if a wound is a wound is a wound. So it doesn't matter if the wound is on, is tangible, I can see it on your skin. Yeah. or that wound is in your lungs and we'll discuss about um, lung yes. COVID in a second or it's in the brain all of those areas are lacking oxygen okay so I guess what I guess with everything there's always a case history that you do yeah what, what's the process of going like yep yeah, hyperbaric oxygen therapy is for you yeah and or how do you know like yeah there's some scar let's call it scar tissue yeah in the brain with those emotional aspects that you need to go yeah we need to get that activated again and so this is the route i'm putting you down where do you go is it like you do a bit of chinese medicine first get to know the person and go i think you're a good candidate for this yeah or is it just like no you came in to give it a go let's give it a go yeah how does that so very good question and we'll have to divide to divide this answer into kind of two or three parts Please the first do. one um those two modalities are separate so okay. chinese medicine is for certain patients hyperbaric medicine is for completely different patients i have two hats Cool. As a clinician, I treat two things and I like both things and I'm intrigued by two of those worlds. So that's kind of a separate worlds to a certain degree. Yeah. The second thing is we need to understand what's the mechanics. How does hyperbaric medicine works? And once we understand the basics of it, which is very basic to understand, then we can look at the patients or candidate that will be a promising kind of candidate to uh, benefit this kind of a treatment modality. Not all treatments, not all ways of treatment can benefit every patient. Um, yeah, I think if depending on the injury you have, not everyone can treat that injury. The same with hyperbaric medicine. Not every candidate or every patient will be will be uh, will be smart to put inside the chamber. So, what is that? What are those injuries, or what is the kind of 
yeah, so we, we've gone into the PTSD. That's one thing that I can yep. work with. But what else can it be helpful with? Like recovery, certain kind of diagnosis. You mentioned long COVID. What yeah. What is kind of the things that you classically get people going and saying, I've seen this helps. Let's give it a go. Yeah. So for us, so this is exactly the, the two kind of part. So basically what we want to see is let's understand how hyperbaric medicine works. Let's give it, let's go a bit one step backwards. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, hyperbaric medicine or um, HBOT, hyperbaric um, oxygen therapy, is all about putting a person inside a chamber that is being pressurized uh, either with oxygen or with air. So we are doing two things. We're doing pressure and we're, doing, we're, we're dealing, we're playing with the composition of the air. Those are the two major things that that dual effect is the key component with hyperbaric medicine okay. okay so we can play with the pressure so we can put you deeper and deeper and when we pay when we say pressure that's ata so atmospheric pressure um most treatments are around 280 which is the equivalent of 33 feet and whoever uses metric that's 10 meters so it's as if you went into the sea for 10 meters that's the depth we're working mostly wow. okay most of the studies most of the treatments are within 10 meters which is not a lot but that's that's where uh, the magic happens probably okay. so that's the pressure that we are playing with the composition of the air is the second thing we play so there's chambers that you can actually pressurize so the, the system that pressurizes the chamber ins inside is with air so room air 25 21 percent of oxygen which is the safer more safer way of pressurizing the chamber because Pure air, pure oxygen, 100%, is very flammable. So those are usually, um, those, if you've seen those tubes that are glass tubes, yeah. they're called peri, by the way. Um, the person that goes inside is almost naked. So they have only a rope on them, no metals, no nothing. Any spark can lead to a, it's, it's basically a bomb. If any spark goes inside, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's not happy. Selling it. Yeah, I'm, I'm selling it, but it's the bomb. It's the bomb. Yeah. We always go back to that military stuff, isn't it? Always going back. Uh, yeah. Going back. So those um, cylindrical um, chambers are usually, and they are good, by the way. I'm not dismissing any of those. Um, if they are being pressurized by oxygen, that means you have uh, two effects. One, you'll breathe that oxygen, so you don't need to have a mask. Uh, second, your skin is going to kind of breathe, mm. quote unquote, that oxygen, and that's open wounds treatment so if you have an um, diabetic ulcer feed uh, open wounds that are not you know healing so an open wound that doesn't heal within four to eight weeks is called a non-healing wound yeah. so mm -hmm. we'll put you inside that kind of a chamber to heal the skin mm -hmm. that's one thing okay. okay so it will be just you yourself inside uh, breathing uh, that oxygen for an hour or two hours depending on the protocol and that's why you use oxygen the other chambers that chambers we have in Antio yeah. is non-oxygen pressurized so it's okay. a room air pressurized okay so the inside you go inside is 21 percent um oxygen mm -hmm. and then you'll take a mask you put that on your face and you breathe close to 100 percent oxygen okay, okay. that's that's the th second thing um so we can play with the um, air composition now and we can play with the pressure the more pressure we put on that body and you breathe that oxygen the more oxygen we deliver to that tissue okay the ba it's a it's a physics it's called um, um henry's law okay the more pressure we put on a, on, a, on a gas the more it will be dissolved inside a liquid liquid i.e blood yeah okay mm -hmm. so you go inside we'll pressure you to 280a we'll give you a mask and the amount of oxygen you'll get is huge that oxygen will go to that tissue that is being dysfunctional either because you had a disease mm -hmm. or you had an infection yeah. or you have a chronic inflammation or you had an injury, i.e. 
head injury. Yeah. Okay. So the concept is a tissue that does not work well and we want to increase the amount of oxygen going into there. Okay. That's kind of the basics of it. Mm -hmm. um, so everything I've mentioned, it could be um, a head injury, a concussion that is being prolonged more than a couple of weeks, which yeah. then there are PCS, basically prolonged kind of or persistent chronic um, head injury. Um, long COVID that is being shown to benefit from those things. The COVID itself, the virus, has been shown to um, cause havoc to some people. We don't know why and we don't know, with, regardless of the severity of their um, illness to start with. Mm. So maybe they had like fluish symptoms, they felt fine, yeah. but those fluish symptoms prolong and they got worse and worse as time. Just fatigued, constantly. Fa constantly yeah. fatigued. Um, do you think it could bring back my sense of smell and taste? Could be. We can put you in there. Yeah, definitely. Right, yeah. yeah. Let's start a case study. Yeah, here you go. <laughs> You're perfect for us. Experiment. GB. Yeah. yeah. Put me in. Put me in the tank. Yes. <laughs> the oxygen one. The oxygen yeah. one. Yeah. Put me in, coach. Put me in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm put me. I was born for this. <laughs> exactly. So we're going to use you for that matter. Perfect. But yeah, we have a very good studies on, on lung COVID. And the concept is, again, the virus got inside. There's some evidence that suggests that the virus managed to uh, escape the lungs or escape the nasal area, mm. got into the brain and caused havoc. And every place that there's inflammation or any place that that virus managed to kill, um, we need to make sure that that oxygen wow. goes inside. Bear in mind, oxygen, and we all know that, is antimicrobial, antifungal. So anything that got infected or inflamed will be treated by that. Yeah, exactly. So those things are really important for us to understand. So there's layers to understand. Again, you decide how much depth you want me to go into those things. Oh, yeah. No, no, um, I think very fascinating. Because one thing I know a lot of is I have a lot of patients who either are or have been or have family members or friends who are going through long COVID and it is horrible for some people. Yeah. There's that complete lack of energy, uh, that pure fatigue uh, and pain yeah. that comes along with it as well. And it's not knowing what to do or what to try. And obviously we use osteopathy to just try and help keep things moving, keep yep. blood circulation, keep the lymphatic system working as well. But sometimes it's like, well, what else can we try? Because we're always, well, I am especially, and I know Gabs does, we're always looking to get our patients back to what they want to do and what they yep. love. And so if it's requiring a different modality or pushing them in another direction, say, maybe this is a good idea to try. Yep. Maybe hyperbaric therapy is that. So... I guess with that as well, it's obviously really recent research that's being done and maybe more still needed or what's the would, situation with that? I would say that, well, if, if you look at the, and that's being said um, a couple of times already, the technology itself is old as F, okay? Yeah, nice. Yeah, <laughs> I, I almost got there. Um, it's the concept itself, the science is 400 years old. So it's not new by any means. Okay, it was discovered in the 16th century by a reverend called Henshaw, um, and he had the whole concept. Um, but they took another century, the 17th century, to think, ooh, maybe we have something clinical with it. Okay. So they developed a chamber that can go up to two and, th and four um, ATA. But again, it, was so, it, it wasn't supposed to be clinical by, by then. As another century ran by, and then the 18th century, they discovered through accident that they can treat the bends with decompression sickness. Um, and then another century went by, the 19th century, and that's where uh, Sir John, John Heldon created the tables. So okay. he's the first one that actually took the whole concept, the whole technology, and put that in a clinical, real kind of, real stuff. Yeah. 
is referred to the, is, as the father of oxygen therapy. Um, and from the 19th century, we had quite a lot of things tried out in the US and in Europe. Um, there's a massive boom of studies in the last 10 years. So everything went very well. Um, most of the hyperbaric medicine was focused on healing wounds because we know oxygen is lacking in an open wound. Mm -hmm. we, put, we put oxygen there, we might repair or might can salvage that tissue. Um, and then they once then found out this, they said, maybe we can do other things, not just open wounds. And in, in the 2000s, which is again, when you think about another century, um, then they started to use it from different things. So fibromyalgia was tested, long COVID was tested, head injuries, um, surgery that you can be done un, so inside a chamber. So a full surgery being conducted inside a chamber that is being pressurized. They've done all sorts of things to kind of understand what's the mechanism. And now we understand it really way more. Really interesting that you threw fibromyalgia in there as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's another thing that goes... It's a very la like last gas resort for diagnosing somebody with fibromyalgia, and a lot of it is due to stress yeah. or some form of. Um, but it's interesting because yeah. fibromyalgia left. So, so fibromyalgia had three departments to visit, and I'm saying it as an, an analogy. Fibromyalgia back in the 90s were, was under the mental health department. People were, were diagnosed with fibromyalgia symptoms were mentally ill probably mm. they had something issue some issue with their um mental stuff well -being. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah um and then a decade or two went by and then they took that diagnosis and they put that into the msk world so because of the tender points the pain the pain stuff all of those things they said this is a classic msk issue right mm. 2019 there was a first research done on fibromyalgia and immune system and they are the first one to actually discover that fibromyalgia and fibromyalgia is, a, is an umbrella term for a lot of things so under it is like fatigue syndrome all of those things are under the same realm yeah. um, and they discovered that this is an autoimmune disorder actually the immune system attacks itself mm. and it manifests in pain and, and, and serious fatigue mm. a brain fog all of those things if you look at fibromyalgia and also look, look at long covid their kind of common thing is that energy deficit right we know for a fact that the mitochondria, the powerhouse of our cells, all the cells in the body, 80% um, of all the oxygen that a cell gets, the mitochondria use. Yeah. So 80%, that's that's everything basically. The battery. Yeah. It keeps things running. 20% will go to the regular, the other organelles. Okay. So if we are lacking oxygen chronically, then that means all our factories are not working well, right? They don't produce energy and without energy, nothing else can move. And that can hit you in different places. That can, that can hit your immune system, the metabolic disorder, um, everything basically. So some people get it in their brain, some people get that in their GI tract, some people get that in their muscles, so they have pains and aches that cannot really lift themselves out of bed. So it's the powerhouse, I think, that that's, that's my own kind of assumption here. It's when we target that powerhouse, we put that more oxygen there, we might target all of those things. And we don't, with no distinction, by the way, when you are inside the chamber, we cannot really choose what organ to treat. The brain and the body is so smart, they will kind of shunt and put the oxygen wherever they need it. Yeah. And if you are a long COVID um, patient that suffer from, let's say the fatigue, the brain fog, the memory issue, the brain will take that area. But some uh, patients suffer from shortness of breath yeah. and they have no, no capacity on, on training. If they go one flight of stairs, they're like, oh, man, I'm like, I'm dead. Yeah. I'm, yeah, yeah, not yeah. to mention walking outside the park. So they are probably have issues with the lung themselves. The, the virus managed to 
cause havoc, destroy their lungs in a way, or part of their lungs. Yeah. And we want to bring that tissue back to life. Full, or not full function, we don't know what, what's the level, but we want to put back oxygen into that area. Mm. Okay, so mitochondria bio biogenesis is one of yeah. the things that um, there was a research done in I think 2019 or 2018. I mean, I'm not going to correct you on that. No, no, no. I'm just, I'm just thinking no, in yeah, my yeah, head. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, I want to be accurate. So they took 40, um, 40 or 60 um, mature athletes. So in their 30s and 40s. Um, and they wanted to see what's the, and that's the link. So we had, so far we discussed about sick people, right? Yeah. Let's look on the other side. Because you've mentioned recovery. Yes. Mm. And yeah, yeah, if yeah. we manage to put oxygen in the mitochondria, the powerhouse, you might manage to get your, an increase in your performance, yeah? So they took those athletes that are healthy, by the way. They didn't have any issues. They were good athletes uh, within the 30s and 40s. Um, and they took several measurements. So one of them was a biopsy from their glutes, yeah. um, VO2 max and lactate threshold, yeah. um, and all sorts of questionnaires to see how their mental health and sleeping, all of those things. Uh, they went to a protocol of treatments, and then they did the whole testing again in the end. Uh, they showed significant, and I'm using that word, not, you know, real significant changes in their VO2 max yeah. within that, that protocol was two months. So it's not a short one, but it's not the longest. So significant VO2 max, um, changes in their uh, lactate threshold, um, the biopsy that they took, the second one at the end of the program showed density and function of the mitochondria significantly better. Mm. So we're talking about people that are healthy, they didn't, they didn't do anything to change their training regime. Yeah. They were not allowed to change anything in their diet and they were not allowed to do anything with their, you know, anything else. Sleep, eat, train the same as you did before. And they had, just by sitting inside a chamber, a significant in all of those things. Incredible. So this is a shout out to all the athletes or pro or, you know, just a hobby. Yeah. If they want to have an extra edge on their training, both recovery and the performance, mm -hmm. They should they should think about hyperbaric medicine. I mean, LeBron James has one in his house. Backyard, yeah. Yeah. I mean, not only that, but he can afford it. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. True. True. <laughs> I mean, because um, part of the previous projects that we kind of I, I kind of had, I looked into the pricings of hyperbaric oxygen, and oh my god, a tank can be anywhere between thirty k to one hundred and forty k. Yeah. Like, but those are the small ones. So there's a German company that. Um, out of just curiosity, because I'm, well, the dream is to have my own facility. Yeah. yeah. Uh, with, with bigger tanks, bigger things. Um, what would it, the name be? I don't know. I, I need to think about a yeah. good name. <laughs> God, it be something with tank in it. Just like, just, really yeah. Imposing. Yeah. <laughs> something very militant. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. yeah. The tank facility. Yeah. You could like blow the competition. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that will be the slogan on the bottom with a bit of a grenade. Yeah. Isn't it? Exactly. Boom. Yeah. I'm there, man. People may look at the grenade and go, actually, maybe this isn't the safest yeah. thing. Well, we'll pass. <laughs> yeah. We're going to work on it. That, yeah. sends in, that sends them in with maybe a bit of, a bit of bruising in the brain. Kind of yeah. Going, oh, true, oh, true, no, true. Now I'm feeling worse. And then you go, well, we can treat that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So you're mentally dysfunctioning now. Come on in. Come yeah, exactly. on in. We'll break you just to fix you. We'll yeah, break exactly. you again and then fix you again. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a recycling. Yeah, recycling injuries. Um, but yeah, it's it's um. So I've I've, I've emailed that company uh, that produces those those tanks at very high end. So they don't even call it um, tanks or chambers. They call it suites. As okay. in, it's the size of a room. So. Uh, there's oh, the oh, smallest sweet oh sweet, oh, sweet. but w-e-e-t that's it yeah yeah but with an o2 in the end that's it. Yeah. yeah yeah 
So <laughs> we are on a tangent now. I was gonna, uh, gonna put that down. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think you know what. We can probably leave that there. What do you think, George? Have I we mean, have we had a bomb of information? Yeah, there? yeah up we, to you. We've had yeah, yeah, yeah. How long yeah, have you been talking? How long have I'm talking? Thirty-five minutes. To be honest, I think I think there is definitely well, I I need it anyway an episode two of this okay. at some point. Yeah, um, more than us. I can't tell you how much I did. We did. We talked a little bit about hyperbaric oxygen therapy on a previous podcast, but of course, very very light, not knowing much about it. And obviously having an expert it's i'm wrapping my head around some of the stuff you're saying it's 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 good because i now have something i can tell my patients about and i know a lot of people who will want to hear more about this as well let alone mm. would love to me. would love so, to and also i think in the next episode we want to get to know you a little bit more i yeah, think we, we I kind like of missed so far the human. Death, like yeah I'm, I'm, a, I'm an empty shell i'm just beauty <laughs> put an empty tank there you go he's using that though way yeah. too much yeah it's going to town with it yeah i'm gonna leave you guys to it yeah. right with that we're gonna end this episode of mind the back chat it's been an absolute pleasure to yeah. have you awesome. jacob thank you very much for your time shout out for your anything you want to do yourself yeah so you they can go and visit the website better never ends um the hyperbaric link is there um you can see uh, as until so until uh, soho liverpool or liverpool street yeah that's where the chamber is um if you want to see my very empty to start with uh instagram then that's so the, hey- the tank for a second we're exaggerating <laughs> now um instagram page which is um hbot um specialist yeah that's it it's easy cool. and yeah Sick. sick super sick ciao for now yeah ciao for now thank you so much thank you you guys we're just shaking hands now we're just shaking hands